Do you have questions about your health? Do you need to find out what's keeping you from feeling your absolute best? If so, your intuition has guided you to the right place. I am Dr. Charlize, and welcome to the Art of Healing podcast community. In this podcast, we explore all topics in health and wellness, from Reiki to functional medicine, energy medicine, chakras, and meditation. Join me every week for fresh new episodes that highlight healers, various healing modalities, and choose this as your opportunity to find what healing works best for you. If you want to learn more about me, simply Google at Dr. Charlize. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to March 2022. And thank you so much for joining me for today's Art of Healing podcast and video, which I will be posting on YouTube. Um, There's always so much gratitude for you joining me. And definitely, I hope that as we engage and get to know each other, you uh, feel welcome to um, reach out, check out the website, healingartshealthandwellness.com, and definitely uh, find me on social media at Charlize Healing Arts on Instagram. So um, for the month of March, uh, and of course, this will be our our first episode, episodes are available weekly, I wanted to touch on... um, a few subjects. I wanted to cover what lifestyle medicine is. I wanted to cover um, the basics of fatigue and I wanted to cover the basis of weight gain. Um, so if you are tuning in and listening, um, it just wanted to say, this will be a podcast and as well, this will be a video. For the video lost listeners, you'll notice there's there's a cat on my desk. And if you're a pet owner, you probably understand this, but this is, I call her my show producer. And I am wanting wanted to sit down and start shooting and she wanted to join me. So hopefully she'll get busy doing something else, but especially cat owners know that um, they do this. This is Bitsy and I am not sure why she's refusing to get off camera. So hopefully you're not allergic to cats on video. All right, (laughs) so let's go ahead and get started. So let's talk about what lifestyle medicine is, um, what integrative medicine is, and how this differs from traditional care that you receive in a doctor's office. Um, If you're tuning into the uh, podcast, I'll share with you the image that we're going to be covering. So of course, you'll just have to listen along. But for video visitors, video watchers, we'll just go ahead and, and have a look and compare. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. I am borrowing this slide from a talk that I did a couple of years ago concerning uh, screening tests and what they are. And just to use really as an example of our approach in traditional medicine. Um, so a screening test, it, you know, the way we define it is you are testing for a disease without evidence of the disease being there because the disease is believed to be common enough that even genetic patterns may be overridden and the disease is preventable or treatable. And in this slide, when I'd done the talk, I talked about the top cancer diagnosis that we uh, screen for in traditional medicine, breast cancer, prostate cancer, colon cancer, lung cancer. And then the slide goes into a little bit more detail about, you know, some details on the history that would make us decide if we should proceed or not. So in traditional medicine, this sort of screening is powerful 
extremely helpful. But and we have other screening that we do: cardiovascular disease screening, diabetes screening, um, screening for depression is uh, generally recommended now. But beyond the screening, unfortunately, it kind of drops off there. We don't really get to go much further other than offering maybe brief advice. Then the structure and the reimbursement really don't go much further as far as what else we can or should do for our patients. Um, And naturally, because of our visits, the timing of our visits, and for most of us, our days are so short um, that we don't get to give very detailed or tailored information. And the most important thing I believe that can impact um, this kind of care and prevent us from really getting into the root and a holistic approach is that we are usually allowed one visit for prevention. We don't get to do multiple prevention visits. So understanding that we have this gap in how we can care for our patients, how we can approach our patients. And of course, we have the the big deal stuff that we have to deal with, but we have um, a huge area in which we can improve our lives, improve our health um, that we don't get to address, which has kind of encouraged me to pursue some more training and a, a paradigm is to like, well, hey, how can we do this better? Enter the American Academy of Lifestyle Medicine, which I'm currently studying right now, um, preparing to um, attempt to certify, to be board uh, board certified. Um, and in this um, mode of treatment, rather than a one prevention visit a year, and then basing everything else on problem-based visits. Um, we approach health according to, um, and this is information I drew from the American Lifestyle Academy, the six pillars of health uh, with healing arts, health and wellness. We will be doing seven pillars of health, but with the six pillars of health, we address six major factors that impact health. And those are activity, nutrition, sleep, stress reduction, social connection, and reducing risky substances. So this is pretty interesting. So yes, we are going for prevention in each one of these six pillars, but then also um, we are looking at where are you doing now and can we optimize that? So why don't we get a little bit more into... how each one of those can impact our health. So the first of those pillars will be activity. So when we say activity, we mean healthy movement. The term that is frequently used is exercise. And in the study of lifestyle medicine, we we describe exercise as being an intentional movement that is above and beyond your baseline activity that is intended to challenge the body for at least 10 minutes a time. So when discussing physical movement, healthy movement, I will often share with my patients that you can call it exercise. You can call it however you want to call it, but We're after a baseline, a bare minimum of at least 150 minutes a week. If you would like to get more than that, um, absolutely go for it. But we're going for a baseline of 150 minutes a week. And the reason I like to highlight that is because 
If you have a busy lifestyle, long hours, a growing family, finding the time to intentionally exercise for prolonged periods of time may be very difficult. And this is often where many of my patients will start to feel sort of done in and overwhelmed. And you actually don't need to be. If you understand that what you're after is really 150 minutes of healthy movement, then that goal, if you choose to set a goal, becomes completely attainable. And just as a plug, um, if there are a few episodes or several episodes back, I had a really dynamic guest, uh, Dr. J. And Dr. J is an internist uh, and she is offering and working with her patients as far as stepping up your activity. I believe she's doing some really exciting uh, webinars or some YouTubes, I will put in the show notes how to find her because uh, when I um, got to interview her, we really got to talk about this physical activity and a positive mind approach. So to be frank, even in my own schedule, my clinic hours can get very long and then I have a little of a commute. So I often, if I were going to say just strict exercise, like just go to the gym, I wouldn't necessarily be able to successfully make it and keep my other pillars of health optimize sleep and stress reduction, everything else. So I tend to go by the 150 minutes a week. And for me, that's going to be walking. And so I know that I can get that walking in during the day and simply rearrange my schedule, step out at lunch and take a nice walk, uh, take a brisk walk for a few minutes. And that's usually how I arrange um, my um, activity, unless I know I'm going to have time to specifically do another movement. Um, And of course, you can include anything you like. It can be yoga, Pilates, rowing, hiking, um, bowling. Um, But that's your baseline. It's 150 minutes a week. The second pillar is nutrition what we put in our bodies. And this is actually the most important of our health pillars. And when I, as I'm focusing on my own health and I work with my patients, it's the one thing in this pillar that you can exert maximal control. Well, no, that may be an overstatement. You, I mean, you can control every one of these, but your nutrition and as far as how you're fueling your body, depending on how you see it and how you open up your mind, you can exert a really positive effort to this with almost minimal um minimal work. And that's basically just being mindful of what you're eating, how it affects you, um, knowing what your health goals are and does your nutrition line up with it. So for instance, if your health goal is to, um, of course we know the health goals of weight loss and those kind of things, but let's say you have a health goal of, um, you'd like to just improve your energy. You want to wake up feeling like you did 10 years ago. So one thing you'll want to look at is, are the foods that are going into your diet supporting that? So for instance, if there are foods that are overly processed and have too much sugar, and you know, if you eat those foods that you tend to feel tired, have they become a staple in your diet? And it's easy to approach because you don't have to have a whole bunch of judgment or beat yourself up about it. Not at all. You simply want to say, hey, I don't think I want that thing in my diet anymore because when I eat it, I don't feel so good. I, I want to find a, 
a healthy replacement. One of the things I often encourage my patients when we're dealing with nutrition, which let's be frank, can be the hardest because when we talk about food, we're getting down to the core of your life, your family, your lifestyle. Um, You don't have to take it on as I got to dump out everything in the pantry and go start again. But a nice place to start is maybe just educating yourself on the basics of what you should be eating, should not be eating, um, what things you want to include, what's lacking in your diet. Um, If you're shopping in the store, do you often find that you run through the produce and you head towards the middle of the store where all the processed beige foods are? Have you explored the produce aisle? Do you ever pay attention to the parts of the produce aisle that are purple or they're yellow? Um, so then it's a little bit fun to it, make it even kind of adventuresome that like, are there whole parts of that store that you're avoiding? And of course, if you have a busy lifestyle, if you're, um, you know, have long work hours, um, are you simply getting the fast food that everyone else does? Cause it's simple and easy. And do you still want that? Um, does it actually save you money? You know, are you spending money on lunch that you really don't even like? I have so many patients tell me that like, you know, I've been eating at, you know, insert whatever fast food restaurant, you know, every day and I'm sick of it. I don't even like it. It tastes bad. And now I'm pre-diabetic. And I think, well, of course, exactly. It's, it's part of your routine. It's your schedule. It's become, you know, it's part of everything. So it's okay to question it. You can get much fancier with nutrition. You can definitely get much more detailed and definitely tune in to my website because um, we are delving more into the aspect of uh, health um, as we move along um, as far as optimizing your nutrition, um, eliminating things we don't want, including all those high antioxidants foods. But nutrition, you never want to overlook. You always want to be thinking about it in the most non-judgmental way you can. The third pillar is the health of your sleep, sleep health, how often you sleep, how long you sleep, the quality of that sleep, how you feel when you wake up in the morning. In uh, my practice, sleep disorders are very, very common. And I think probably more common than complaints about unwanted weight gain or fatigue is going to be sleep trouble. Sleep health affects our body in many ways, from cognition to digestion to reproduction, skin health. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me during this podcast episode. I just want to let you know as a special gift to all my listeners, I am offering a promotion for a limited time. You can save 20% on all of my courses, on my online dispensary, and even 20% working with me individually in a one-hour consult for functional medicine or with a Reiki healing session. You will use the code Alchemy Healing when you make your purchase. Check your show notes to learn more. This special goes until June 3rd, so sign up today. Now let's return to the podcast.
health of the joints. Um, so in the reason being is because as mammalian creatures who operate on a circadian rhythm, meaning that we operate according to the sun, the solar cycle, we operate according to the moon cycle too, but, um, we are designed to be wakeful during the hours of light. And then during the times of rest is when our body rests and recover. And uh, it's also during the time of sleep that the organs that do the detoxification process, the liver and the kidneys can really get a lot of stuff done. Um, they need your muscles to relax. They need your brain to wind down and not be so very active. Um, and that allows increased blood flow to these organs so that they can eliminate the things that you don't need. You accumulate it during the day. Also during sleep, your brain, which uh, often told my patients, you know, your brain, that's a powerhouse. It's making electricity. It's making its own heat. It's, um, and of course it's conducting all the functions of your body. It needs a cycle downtime, um, the neurons in your brain need to do some servicing work. And of course, in neuroscience, we're learning that things like uh, REM sleep and all of those are times when your uh, brain can categorize store memories, uh, store motions, and can do their own sort of detoxification. We know that if sleep is inadequate or too short, that your ability to heal and recover becomes greatly reduced. We know that inadequate or poor quality sleep leads to increased inflammation and overall increased risk of pretty much all of the diseases we don't want. So addressing sleep is going to always be important, and that's why it's one of the pillars. The fourth pillar is going to be stress reduction. So to full disclaimer, not all stress is bad stress. There is actually good forms of stress that we want and need that as human sa homo sapiens, humans, um, those good forms of stress are required to optimize our functioning. Good stress includes uh, physical exertion in the form of exercise mental challenges that force you to learn, um, learning a skill that's difficult and you're bad at, um, that actually forces the neurons in your brain to form new connections. So there's good stress. But then of course, there's the chronic daily stressors of life that in overabundant amounts take a real toll on our health. Um, Stress that's unmitigated, that is constant, has an impact on all of our systems, but particularly this the hormone system in your body. A lot of people say hormone, and to be frank, as a practicing physician, I don't always know if they mean the same hormones I mean, but maybe we do. But the um, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, um, which is basically the 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 glands in the brain that can, that control how the other glands are going to function in the body. Um, those are the ones that will take a hit and particularly adrenal glands that if they are responding to stressful conditions constantly on a daily basis without rest, they will begin to change the body orienting it in a way that we don't want that makes it more inflamed, more prone to weight gain, more prone to, um, mismanagement of carbohydrates 
and then raises our risk of all the stuff we don't want from inflammation to excessive growth, at least to cancer to um, uh, issues with autoimmune diseases. So addressing stress um, is very important in this style of, of management and, and looking at all types of stress. We can't avoid stress. That's the key. And again, not all stress is bad stress. Just realizing that chronic unmitigated stress should be managed. The fifth pillar is social connections. And in um, the practice of medicine, we often just don't get to ask about our relationships, how they are, where they are. Um, In healthcare, in primary care, we do look for or ask for signs of um, connections that may have become malignant, abusive relationships. So that's a whole different topic, but that is something that we actually look for in traditional medicine. But in lifestyle medicine, we actually um, want to know, you know, are there friendships? Are there family relationships? What are the health of these? Are they where you want them to be? Are the relationships with your coworkers where you want them to be? Are the relationships with your children where you want those to be? And um, understanding how those can impact our health and wanting, and it's not so much that when we emphasize social connection, we start making demands as far as create new connections. So this isn't saying go find the love of your life if you don't have them, but it is, is sort of asking if those connections aren't there, what we can do to sort of start them. Um, being part of community, a community in which you feel safe in and um, engaging with that community, especially with health. Um, I had done a talk uh, several months ago about diabetes. And one of the things I discussed during that talk, it was that diabetes is a social disease and diabetics rarely are the only diabetic in a household. Um, And the reason why I say that is because diabetes being predominantly, sorry, adult onset diabetes, type two diabetes, this is different from the autoimmune diabetes, um, is often a social, is often a lifestyle disease uh, that relates to excessive intake of carbohydrates, lack of exercise and stress. And um, in diabetes, those social connections may not be the best, meaning that if you've got a group of friends that you went out with twice a week, went out to eat, had a lot of drinks, maybe do karaoke or something like that. Um, And then you find out that you're developing diabetes. There may be a problem. The social connections may not be encouraging you to be healthy. Very hard to question. Um, One thing that comes up quite a bit with my own patients is the diabetic and the non-diabetic spouse. And coming to terms with a married couple where one has become clinically ill from the lifestyle of the house and what's going to happen. Does the other spouse also make changes? So I don't have a right or wrong answer for that just for this this episode. But I'll tell you that um, that is a big topic that comes up. And it's definitely because it is sort of a point of friction, also can be a point of healing. And finally, the final of the six pillars of uh, lifestyle medicine is reducing risky substances. So this means that any substance, or you could say activity that's in the life that is taking your health in the direction you do not want, 
that we want to discuss reducing it or eliminating it. So risky substance or behavior um, can run the gamut. So of course, we'll all think of smoking, um, excessive alcohol intake, excessive sugar intake, sugar addiction. Um, and then you could extend that to activity. So, um, that could be excessive shopping. Um, it could be gambling. Um, and of course, so it could be anything that basically would have an addictive nature. And we say reducing because, um, understanding that whatever this substance or activity is, is probably taking on a major role in someone's life that absolute elimination may not be accessible at that point. That's because the brain is probably chemically modified to want or need that substance or behavior. But we want to at least be developing a plan to reduce the use of that. Thank you so much for joining during this episode of the Art of Healing podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review. Also, you can check your show notes to find out how to get a copy of this and future episodes emailed directly to your inbox, available to listen to anytime. Finally, if you have questions or wish to connect to me, check your show notes to find out how we can get connected and find out how I can be of service to you.